Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thanks for joining me. Later on this hour, we're going to catch up with Amy Razor, of Fort Worth Regional Director of the Better Business Bureau. It's National Consumer Protection Week, so we'll give Amy plenty of time to offer some great tips to protect you from getting scammed. But first, we're going to dive into an amazing organization. Recently, with the winter storms and freeze, The Family Place, who've been helping families of domestic violence since 1978, took on some serious damage. Let's find out what we can do to help and learn more about this awesome organization. Paige Flink, their chief executive officer, is here to join us. Paige, good talking to you again. Thank you, Chris. I'm happy to be here. It has been a while. How how long have we been running into each other all these years? Well, I've been at The Family Place. This is my 30th year, Mm -hmm. and you and I knew each other before that during the old hoop it up days in Dallas. Yeah. So it's, it's been a while. The West End. I remember those yes. good old days. Yeah, it was great. So you've been with the family place for 30 years. Can you talk about the history and the mission for those who aren't familiar with your organization? Our mission at the family place is to stop family violence. And so we've been doing this, as you said, for over 40 years because there is such a strong need for domestic violence services in our community. And we do it a variety of ways. We start with the intervention, which is emergency shelter and transitional housing and counseling for people who have experienced family violence. Then we work to stop it by talking and teaching in schools uh, about teen dating violence and those types of behaviors. We work with offenders. We have a batter's intervention program for the person who's been convicted of a family violence offense and needs to change his or her behavior. And then we also do have a supervised visitation center where people can visit their kids that they don't live with, and it might not be a safe situation, but at least they can start rebuilding that relationship. So for us at the family place, there is no reason to have family violence in a home, and we are trying our best to stop, intervene, prevent it, and and also just take care of the people who need us most. Totally agree. I have a question for you about over time. Has it been easier for people to reach out to you than it was, say, you know, 10, 15 years ago? because of the ostracism or people didn't want to believe it or, or they didn't want to share their, their story? You know, Chris, that's really a, an important point because so often people see, say this is a family secret mm-hmm. and it's something that happens behind closed doors and it's really hard to prove. There is also the factor of many people are ashamed that this is what they live with and how would the outside world think about them, but also they're ashamed of, of, of having to experience it themselves. So over time, what we have seen is people realizing that this doesn't affect just that family, but it affects our entire community. And so by shining a light on this and saying, this is something that a person does to another person and taking the blame away from the victim, you can sometimes get people more willing to ask for help. But we also know that if you're worried about kids doing well in school, for example, if a little boy hears his dad beat up his mom all night long, he's not going to pass that test. His mind is not going to be in his education. And so if we want our schools to be better, our our families have to be healthier. If we are worried about gangs, you know, I heard a statistic on the radio just the other evening that about 90 percent of the people in gangs are fleeing a family that was dysfunctional. Mm. So that kind of crime on our streets can be traced back to a home. The men who are imprisoned in Huntsville have committed the worst crimes. Those were little boys. For um, over 90% were little boys who were hurt when they were little boys. And so 
it is something that we can really address a lot of issues that affect the community if we focus on helping families function better. We're talking with Paige Flink, the CEO of The Family Place, about domestic abuse and what you guys have been able to uh, help a lot of families out over the years. Can you talk about, um, is there any timetable of how long someone usually stays with you guys until they sort their situation out? Yeah, you know, the the victim of domestic violence will sometimes leave seven times before they really are able to finally break away. Interesting. It's it's, it's really hard because especially uh, women tend to want to fix things and we want to fix relationships. And we take the blame for a lot of things that happen in relationships. And so we feel like if I just change myself, then this person will love me more. Or if I do the things that, that, that he's telling me to do, he'll, he, he won't hurt me. And so, you know, it becomes something that happens gradually over time. And so it, cause most, it's very rare that you go on a date with somebody and they punch you and you stay and go on another date. You know, it's a very rare thing. You're groomed to be a victim of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And so the the more that the abuser can get away with, the more they will try to get away with the next time. And so then you have gotten accustomed and have made excuses for so many things that happen to you, then it's harder to finally say, I'm done. I'm going to go. And it's so complicated. People stay in relationships for so many different reasons that are, you know, they're in love. You know, yeah. sell them off. And so they, they just want this to work. We as a society have ways that we want the people think they have to be a couple to be have value. And then, you know, there's religious regions people stay. There's kids involved. There's financial reasons. There's just a myriad of things. But most importantly is why is the abuser abusing? And that's where I want us as a community to focus is put this shine the spotlight on the person who's causing the problem and then figure out how to help them. Because if you don't help the abuser, it doesn't matter how many times she flees, he'll find a new victim. You know, you mentioned the abuse, and and you also brought up a a topic that a lot of people don't ever really think about. They just think about the physical abuse. But there's a lot of psychological abuse that happens and may not even go to physical. Absolutely. That emotional abuse, you know, we hear a lot about the term gaslighting. That's Mm -hmm. a real thing for a victim of domestic violence. Um, And words hurt. The bruise will go away and a slap or a push, you can sort of forget that. But that tape plays over and over in your head if you've been devalued multiple times. It makes it harder to, 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 to get yourself together to be able to leave. And it's not against the law to emotionally abuse someone. Texas has some great laws, but that is not one that we have put on the books yet. It is on the books in a couple of other states in the United States. It's wow. certainly something I think we should think about because it is damaging it, it, it is damaging to have someone emotionally abuse you over and over and over again. And so I don't know. I mean, I think it's something that we should all think about because it's it's also really hard to prove. Mm-hmm. And um, but we see it, you know, you are friends with people. I'm friends with people who you see um, one partner put the other one down in, right. her, in, 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 in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually that just erodes at for that person if they're doing that in public don't you wonder what it must be like at home exactly do you ever have situations i'm sure you do the the abuser tracks down you know the the lady that's staying with you guys and and how do you handle that yeah you know it's really hard and it's scary and so we try to keep our locations secure we have you know, security around them, security systems and cameras and stuff like that. And then when someone comes to us, we impress upon them how confidential the nature is of of, of this place, this mm-hmm. location. And so um, one of the reasons you would have to leave if you were staying with us is if you invited someone to pick you up at our front door. I don't care if it's your mother. You can't do that. And so because that it's hard in today's day and age with technology the way it is, it's it, it's really complicated more because mm-hmm. it's so much, you know, Google everybody, every earth, everything. Um, sure. But we, GPS. You know, I'm telling you. And so we have we, we check people's cars when they come in to make sure there's there, there's not a tracking system. And we have found them on people's cars before. Um, mm-hmm. And and, you know, the thing about it, because of this, the way we have our our facilities all fenced, someone would have to drive through a fence to get to us. And so we the police come when we call them because it's an intruder. And so 
it's happened, but it's it is um, it's it's rare in some cases. They're more likely to find the woman at the places she frequents, right. which is if she goes back to work or she goes to church or her friend's or house. She goes to, and so those things are that's where we do safety planning and that sort of thing. And and Chris, I want to say one thing because I keep talking about the woman as the victim, and I I don't know if you know this, but the family place has a shelter for men who are battered. And men can bring their kids. It's the only one in the state of Texas and really one of the very few in the United States. And we know that women can also be abusers. I'm glad you bring this up because, you know, I I think that's a a, a rare thing that a lot of people don't either know about or talk about. Can you talk about how you're there for guys who are in those situations? Because I know for a lot of men, that may be the ultimate embarrassment or the ultimate family secret. And and can you talk about how you've reached out to some of those guys and, and how they've been able to uh, get their act together, or get their lives back together? Yeah, you know, it's really the first, you know, we've had our shelter for men since 2017 where we actually have a, a separate facility. Mm-hmm. And the first man who called us and, and said he needed help and did we have a place he could stay, and we said yes. Unbelievable, just the way he sounded, he was, so, he was like, do you mean I can come? And stay someplace. And this is a guy that had three children. And um, I'll just never forget him. And one of the children was disabled and the mother was being abusive to everybody. And so it just totally changed their life. And he stayed with us. They wound up staying about four months because they had to get all these things together to be able to move out of the state. Um, but we it's really hard to be a man mm-hmm. to ask for help. I mean, just period. It's not an easy thing for a guy to say, I don't get it. I'm I'm confused. I need help. It's socialized into us. You know what's so amazing about it? Because this is such a, like I said, people don't like to talk about the subject. There are some guys, and a lot of them, they don't even like to admit it when they've lost their jobs. They don't want right. to tell their friends. They don't want to ask for help. They kind of like, oh, I'll have to figure this out by myself, and I don't want you know, the community to know that I've lost my job, let alone they're in an abusive situation with their families. That's right, Chris. And and that's a, so we've done that as a society to say, man, you got to tough, you know, toughen up, don't cry, don't feel, yeah. act like a man, you know, conquer everything. And those society has done that to men. And so that makes it harder for a man to ask for help. And we also know that um, men, if a, if a woman is, abusing a man and he were to hit back and then the police were called, he's going to look like the dominant aggressor just because of the physicality of his response to her grabbing her arms and squeezing her arms. It's a lot easier for him to bruise her than it is vice versa. And so those things make it hard for men to ask for help. Also, they just can't believe that they've gotten in this situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, men who were raised to never hit a woman, you respect that family that does that, but then it then what winds up happening is they really are they're not going to defend themselves necessarily, which is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, sure. but still, it just creates it creates a, another dynamic that that um, a big old man, big burly guys that we've had in our shelter, who people made fun of them when he called the police. I'm like, come on, man, there's no way she hit you. Mm-hmm. Look at you. You know, you weigh 285 pounds. You could pick her up and throw her over the fence. You know, just disrespectful to the person who's the victim. And so um, we do education. We talk to the police about it. And, um, you know, it's part of that whole training that the police need for sensitivity is that anyone can be a victim of domestic violence, men or women, and they no one – deserves to be that either. And so it's, but it's complicated. You know, the police it's it's the most dangerous time for a police officer to go into the home. is when there is a domestic call, domestic violence. Call. It sure is. Cause they don't know who is who. And mm-hmm. sometimes both parties are mad that the police injected themselves into the situation. Mm-hmm. I love him. I love her. Mm-hmm. And some of yeah. the neighbors called the police on us, you know, I know, I know it. And it's, but in a way, you know, we kind of want the neighbors to do that, even if it feels like it's not your business to do. You don't know how things might escalate. Yeah. And so it's it's wise for a neighbor to make that call because that might be the only person who helps that victim. And so it it let the police come and sort it out. That's that's really what they're there for. It's not necessarily, you know, a neighbor could ring the bell, knock on the door, do something to interrupt the screaming and yelling. Mm-hmm. Um 
but it could also be volatile for a neighbor to get involved in that too. So we, we recommend people to call 911 um, when they hear something that sounds bad going on next door. We're talking with Paige Flink, the uh, CEO of The Family Place. This is Better Living. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. And, you know, you talk about the domestic violence, the family, the family's torture. I was thinking about this aspect of it as well. What do you do with, let's say, the victim of domestic violence who self-medicates with either drugs or alcohol? How much of that is an issue on how much you can help them? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so first of all, we have to assess for safety. So if this person is not in a safe space, you know, like is in a dangerous situation, we don't address drugs and alcohol first. We bring them into our shelter. So we would never drug test you out of, of our program or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So first you get safe. And then it's the why are you why are you numbing your your heart and your mind and trying to help address that? And so it's trying to help rebuild the self-esteem and feeling sometimes is the only way you can begin healing. And so if you are not feeling the pain because you're using a substance, then you're never going to be able to heal from the problem. And so we just take it one step at a time with people. No judging. I don't blame you for not wanting to feel that at all. I can get why you would want to, why you'd want to numb out, but let's talk about it and bring back the value of you as a human being and you as a person who can accomplish things. And it's hard to accomplish things if you've, you know, if you're over medicating. And so, um, but you just have to take it a step at a time without judgment, without judgment, because it's, you know, like I said earlier, people get into this situation over a period of time and to get out of that kind of, especially if it's an addiction, takes a period of time as, as well and believing in them. And, you know, people are going to, be successful, they'll they fail, and they'll be successful again. And, um, but it does, it, it feeds it feeds the worst problem. And we have some clients who use because he makes her use. Mm-hmm. They get high together. Right. And it's their only, it's the only way she can, can um, put up with him or cope with him. Her. Yeah. Or, or also keep him from hurting her. Right. And so, you know, we talk a lot about as a safety plan that you may have to go along with something that you don't want to do at this moment just to keep him from killing you. And then let's get, you know, what, how can we get you to a safe place? Sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's just staggering, really, Chris, it's over all these years I've been at the family place, how cruel and awful people can be to each other. It, that part just is still, I've never gotten over having to see, and I don't understand it. And, you know, finding a way to f- get that hurt, because generally the people who are hurting other people were hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a vicious cycle. Sometimes it is a vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. You know, uh, you mentioned you know, the things you've seen over the years, the family place. Let's just go back a month. Let's go back to February. seems like it was not that long ago. ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The big Arctic front came through in Texas. The power went out and everybody had the different issues with pipes bursting, water having to be boiled. Everything you can imagine happened during that one cold week. And I know that the family place had situations, especially about two different units. Can you go over the timeline of what happened and where you are now? I mean, you can just tell the story from the beginning. We got time because I know this is an amazing story. It is really still, I get PTSD even thinking about it. But the, so we lost our power on Saturday night. So Mm -hmm. I guess that was February 13th, you know, Valentine's Day was Sunday, 14th. Um, Lost our power Saturday night and it was cold. You know, and this is at our big shelter where we have um, families staying in emergency shelter as well as families who live in apartments on our campus. So there were 123 women and children at this facility, all trying to stay warm, some in apartments and some in emergency shelter bedrooms. And so, but we still had, we have gas stoves in the kitchen, so we were able to make meals and we had blankets and we had flashlights. So we had everybody warm and bundled the best we could. And then it just on Monday, our fire suppression sprinkler system starts leaking in one of the buildings. I mean, in one of the one side of the building. And mm-hmm. so uh, this has crashed. This had happened to us before in 2011, uh, the big freeze of 2011, where the Super Bowl almost didn't happen, you know, mm-hmm. and that and that it frozen and we'd fixed it. 
but you know we didn't fix it to the winterizing that we needed really because we didn't have the money so anyway so the, the sprinklers the fire suppression system starts to drip and so that's monday and so on tuesday it's dripping out a lot of places and that morning we got on the phone with i mean i was you know in my nice warm house with power i was able to be the kind of the general there but the staff that are on the ground at the shelter saying it's i think we need to leave so we made the decision to leave i said all right i'll i'll get started on trying to find somebody to um a place to go because we have 120 people where can we go that has power that we can all go at once and I'm, there was no hotels because everybody else was in hotels yeah so uh, at i'll never forget at 1248 i put a tweet out and I tagged the mayor and Colin Allred and Senator Cornyn and Ericot and everybody that I, all the police department, everybody I could to say, help, we're freezing and the pipes are about to burst. That was 1248. Well, the um, pastor, uh, George Mason at Wilshire Baptist Church calls me and says, I can take them. We've got power right now. So I'm like, okay, so I've got 123 people. I've got a place where we can stay. And then... Um, Mayor's staff started helping me figure out how to get buses. At that very time, then the then the pipes of the water that goes to the showers and the sinks in the bedroom, all those pipes burst. And so we had told the clients, "Get your bedding, get your clothes together." And then we start hearing people scream. My ceiling just caved in. So oh the water, is, water is pouring through the ceiling while the clients are trying to get all their belongings together. Frigid, freezing cold water so that that's happening on the ground in the at the shelter and then i got help from city of dallas office of homeless solutions found five city buses so the twig tweet goes out at twelve forty eight. we get five city buses we have a place to go salvation army delivers cots and so and campesies gave us pizza and pasta so by the time they got there at five thirty, we had food we had warmth we had a place for them to be my goodness it was awesome but i thought it was going to be temporary because I didn't realize, I I didn't know the seating was caving, caving in while I was over here doing all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I'm making these phone calls. And yeah, you're coordinating. Around. I'm coordinating over here. And so I didn't realize it was going to be a temporary stop at the church. So then I go the next day to assess the damage. And it is, this is on Wednesday. It was terrible. There were inches of water. The water had run for four hours through the building. Oh, and it had gone everywhere. So it it, it not only... You know, where the ceiling caved in is where you knew you had water dam. You knew you had holes in the pipes. Mm-hmm. But this is a 60,000-square-foot building, and we don't know where all the holes are. So um, and the water had drained through every light fixture on everything. Um, everywhere there was a water pipe, we had a problem. So then that was Wednesday when I realized we're not coming back here and that we have a, a contractor that, helped us build our Ann Moody Place building, who was walking around with me, and he was like, Paige, this is going to take months to oh fix. This is, not, this is not a temporary, because I thought maybe I could get some people mm-hmm. in some of the bedrooms or whatever, but um, we couldn't because first you had to get the water out, then you have to do an air testing to see where all the it's holes hazardous. are. It's hazardous. The whole thing was hazardous. Right. Without water, you can't be there anyway. Even yeah. though the power finally came back on after, after uh, on Thursday, the fact we finally got power, but so so the, so I've got 123 women sleeping in this sweet church that gave us this warm place to lay their heads, and that's Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday at four Thursday night 4 a.m. or 4 a.m. Friday morning. My phone rings, and it's a staff person saying the pipes have burst in the bottom of the basement of the church, and the water's running. Oh my goodness! And so it. They'd call the fire department who said, if we come, we're going to have to turn off all the water. So they were trying to find the maintenance people. Well, at the end of the day, they had to turn off the water, which means you have 123 people without a place to go to the bathroom. So then our staff kicked into gear, and we started searching for all we could do really was either an extended stay hotel or was there an apartment building, you know, or someplace that we could take over. But we had to have everybody at once delivered to one place because we had to relocate Everything, our entire, we have a child care center, we have a, a kindergarten through second grade school, we have a clinic, we have, you know, transitional housing, our apartment clients and there's, and the staff that take care of them and the emergency shelter. So we found we found a, a place that we can have an extended stay and um, though everything's furnished 
And um, so now we have relocated the child care to another building. And that we have one of our counseling centers. We've repurposed all our staff, kept everybody employed and working. Um, and we're, I'm going out this afternoon with an insurance adjuster again to, to see what they're going to say and what we think it should be. And then we'll start the repair process. And, you know, the thankfully, we do have insurance. Mm-hmm. And, and then also people have been... You know, this is a story that made a lot of news. I mean, I've never been on CNN, and I was on CNN twice, you know. It's, I mean, it, because it was so striking that yes. this many people would be this, you know, plus the vision of battered women and children fleeing to us for safety and then having to be transported someplace else was just too much for a lot of us. And so, anyway, so people have been helping us financially. So when we repair, I know the insurance company won't pay to put a generator up there and to, you know, do the insulation the way we need to but we're going to winterize the family place so that this won't happen again because i forgot to mention the poor men in the men's shelter they lost all their power they were freezing so we brought them to our third uh, shelter and they stayed on the bottom floor and the, the client stayed in the upper floor mm-hmm. at the shelter um so because we had power and, and heat in one of our facilities so our southern dallas office where we do counseling there those pipes froze and burst and we had a flood there um our counseling center in McKinney, those pipes froze, but no flood. I was an older home. The older the house, the, and this is actually kind of an old house that it's in, and so it was fine. But our almost every place we had, because we had so many locations, had some power problem, mm-hmm. had a power problem, and but but this was the biggest one for, for our, we call it Sally's house, to have to relocate that many people. It was just... Unbelievable. It is just an amazing story, and the story hasn't been concluded. So my next question is, what can people do to help you guys? Any of our listeners who are just touched by this whole story mm-hmm. and how great of an impact you've had on the community, what do you need right now? One thing um, I, I do want to say is we're still taking clients. So the most important thing, if you hear my voice, is that if you know someone who needs help that's a victim of domestic violence, they should still call our hotline. Good. Because we are renting extra rooms to be able to make it so that we can still take people. So I want to say that first. But secondly, right now, what we really need are, is, it, this is a marathon, you know, so it's, 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 it's really financial support at this time. We have gotten a lot of blankets and flashlights and all those kinds of things donated. Um, that we are spreading to all the people that we help. But at this moment, it's really, it's going to cost me money to do the things that I want to do. Unless someone wanted to give me generators for all three buildings, that would certainly be something. You never know. (gasps) You never (laughs) know. know. You know, having a generator, we've just got to be able to have power. And not to power all 50,000 or 60,000 square feet of a building, but just to be able to power the heater that keeps the warmth around the pipes so they don't freeze or that, makes it where you can you know with the power out we were so vulnerable because you couldn't lock the doors because they're mag locked i forgot about that part you gotta gotta shelter everybody from people who might want to harm them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so that part was also made it really it was just hard it was all it was hard all the way around hard and and uh, the heroes there's two heroes to this story Mm -hmm. one are the clients who have fled to us and came to get safety, but the other are the staff who do the work, and they are the people who are the most heroic at all. We had some some of our our um, resident advocates who came to work on Saturday night and didn't go home or shower until Wednesday. Wow! So, and you know, many of our client staff drove even over the ice because they knew they were essential workers, and so you know, those are the people that we just also want to help so uh, we're going to do things for that for, for our for that team that just put it all out there and so you know gift cards restaurants if somebody wanted to do that sort of thing for the staff of the family place that would be another wonderful thing they could do um because we forget about the essential worker i mean mm-hmm. we haven't really forgotten about it because of the pandemic we talked a lot about it but that's still there they were again these people had been working at the family place all through the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. We never stopped taking clients. They never stopped working. And then here we have this freeze. And so they're, they're just heroic in my, in my mind. 
They are. They are the real heroes, and we try to recognize them on a regular basis. The one thing you mentioned about this is a marathon, I hear you. And just 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 for reference, way back in the day when the Cowboys were winning those Super Bowls, I used to talk to Troy Aikman all about how that last Super Bowl was so tough that season. And during that season, we kept talking about how the journey is the reward. The journey mm-hmm. is reward because mm-hmm. when you go through hard times, it makes you really appreciate where you are now. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you are right now, there's another phrase. Whenever I need a strength in tough situations, I'd always just remember the phrase, this too shall pass. Right. This too shall pass. It's not going to stay this way forever. It also kept me grounded, like if everything's going great, you know, don't get a big head because this too, shall, this too shall pass. You just it keeps you it keeps you balanced. You know, it keeps it you on does. your toes. It does. Well, and here's my so for me, this silver lining is this building. We when I I, I helped I built this building where the, the ceiling caved in. And that's why I cried when I saw it because I'm like, this is my building. Oh my! But it was two, that was we moved there in May of 2000. So here we are, 2021. It's going to be. We're going to paint every square inch. It's going to look so much better than it did when mm-hmm. before the winter storm. That that's all good, you know. We're so we had a lot of pain to get there, but still, nobody got hurt, and there we're taking care of the the clients so that the trauma that they experienced they they it's not as bad as other things that they've experienced. You know, it felt terrible at the moment, but still, we've been able because of this outpouring of support to to, to help them. But it's going to be. It's going to be a nice, shiny new painted building with generators and power ability. Because you know, when we have ever a tornado, our power goes out. Whenever mm-hmm. there's a big giant thunderstorm, our power goes out. So this way, it's going to be more than just the winter storm that happens every ten years, and help, but you know, other issues too. So, um, and we're going to put a generator and winterize all the places where people sleep. Our our Ann Moody shelter and our men's shelter too. So I hear you. Hey, Paige, is there a phone number or a website where any of our listeners who I know are going to step up and help out, can they, they can yeah. reach you? So our website is the easiest way. That's familyplace.org. So familyplace.org. And our main phone number is the best one to call, and that's 214-559-2170 is the administrative office number. But I wouldn't be doing my job if I also didn't remind everyone that we have a 24-hour hotline. Yes. And that number is 214-941-1991. Paige, it's always good catching up with you again. I got to make sure I catch up with you quicker than every couple of years or so. We got to do this well, on yeah, the air again. Well, yeah, because this is my, I'm reti- did I tell you I'm retiring? I think I told you. Did no, I really? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to oh, retire. My this is it. I announced in January. I know what a swan song, huh? <laughs> what a swan! Yeah, you yeah, you know you can't retire until everything's all in order again. No, now. I can't. I can't. And so we're doing a CEO search right now. And um, yeah, but this is my thirtieth year. And mm-hmm. so, um, so my last goal, if there's anybody out there that could give me twenty million dollars to endow the family place, that's hey. Right. So just some somebody. Try you never it. know. Yeah, you never know. That's why so. you speak it up. You speak it into existence. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Yeah. Nice to catch up. Thank you, too. That is Paige Flink, the CEO, who's about to retire from the family place. (laughs) And now, as promised, we move on to protect you from the latest scams out there. It's National Consumer Protection Week, and joining us is our friend Amy Razor, Fort Worth Regional Director of the Better Business Bureau. How are you doing, Amy? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Good to talk to you again, and this is that week. And since this last month where all kinds of people had issues with electricity and and with water and pipes bursting, the whole nine yards, I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there trying to take advantage of us. Who Absolutely. should we watch out for? Um, so the, the first thing to think about is uh, what we like to call storm chasers. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, usually in Texas that happens uh, during tornado season when we've got a lot of rain or hail. And so, uh, you know, we see people camping out in a neighborhood that they know is going to be hit hard by a storm mm-hmm. uh, so that they can be the first person to knock on your door the next morning to tell you that they need to replace your roof. Um so there, there are some common red flags uh, when, when working with contractors after a disaster. 
uh, to look for. <clears throat> the first of those is going to be um, aggressive sales tactics. Mm-hmm. So trying to push you to make a decision quickly, um, telling you that there are today only offers. Those are going to be huge red flags in time when you should take a step back and say, okay, I need to know more about your company and do the research. Let's say that Um, again. Let's say that again for everybody. If they're (laughs) desperate to have you close the deal now, like now or never, don't trust it. Don't, don't. And and they might even tell you one thing that we see is, hey, I've got, you know, a surplus of this specific kind of material, so I can give you a discount because I've got so much of this, you know, on hand or in stock. That is another red flag um, because they don't carry inventory. You know, they get mm-hmm. they get what they need for a job. So um, definitely something to think about in that situation as well. Um, they're also going to um, make offers to work with your insurance company, and you don't want them to do that. You need to work with your insurance company um, and don't uh, go with any specific providers that they're offering to you. They might offer to have it funded, that they've got somebody that can fund it. Um, that's a huge red flag. And that's that's typically going to be a sign that, that they're going to take your money and run, mm-hmm. which leads to the next tip, which is do not pay up front. It is actually illegal for them to have you pay for the job ahead of doing the job. Um, so that's something that not everybody knows, but right. it's a good opportunity for them to just take that that check that you've written for the entire, you know, portion of the work. And then they, they're gone. You know, it's wild back in the day. Uh, the mechanics that didn't work at a, a, a garage or a body shop, we used to call those shade tree mechanics. I guess right <laughs> now we need to watch out for like shade tree plumbers and electricians. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very similar. Um, you know, you also want to check out the company. Um, I know that we've waived the, the requirement to have a license just because there's such a desperate need at this point. Mm-hmm. We're letting, you know, plumbers come from other states, things like that. Um, but you want to see that they've been in business, talk with previous customers of theirs, look at any ratings, any information that you can find is going to help you make a more educated decision. Okay, here's a number that's going to blow everybody's mind. I just, just saw this. The uh, In 2020... More than 4,000 scams and over $2 million in losses were reported by Texans to the Better Business Bureau Scam Tracker. Mm-hmm. And this is illustrating the importance of keeping consumers informed and protected. So, I mean, people report these scams. How do they get in touch with you to report these scams? So it's very easy to do. It's just bbb.org slash scam tracker. And you can use that to check out what's going on in your area. You can zoom into your neighborhood. You can zoom out and see what's what's going on across the country. Um, but you can also report in. And so think about that number. So 4,000 scams, $2 million. That's just the people that knew that that resource was available and reported it. Mm. You know, how many more others did not report it? Um, so there, it's been prevalent. There's There's a lot going on. And we are we encourage people to report that so that when we know more, we can do more, right? We can inform people, we can help them, uh, and we can possibly help to put a stop to it. Let's talk about who gets targeted most. Is it older individuals, women? Well, um, so we do have. <clears throat> pardon me. We do have uh, an increased number. Certainly, sixty-five or older are a um, a concern as far as. Uh, specifically technology-related scams. Um, Women end up falling victim a little bit more than men. However, the interesting thing is that when men are the victim, they lose more money. Um, So it kind of evens out in that way, in a strange way. And then, oddly enough, um, our military. Oh, really? uh, Military and their their spouses are often the victims. Um, Military consumers are often the victims of a lot of different scams. And so... Those are areas and, and parts of the community that we work extra hard to try and try and protect. Again, this is National Consumer Protection Week. And uh, Amy Razor is, of course, the Fort Worth Regional Director of the Better Business Bureau. Uh, there's a lot of data showing that 40 percent of the fraud reports came from consumers who lost money. Is this the people, like you said, who give the money up front? And also, I guess a lot of these scammers caught up with people through their phones. Mm hmm. 
<laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, our phone numbers are a hot commodity. Um, you know, we get texts from people that want to buy our house or um, phone calls from people saying that, that we're going to be arrested because we've got some outstanding IRS payments or mm-hmm. our social security number has been compromised and you need to respond to us immediately. Um, all of these are things that automatically incite, you know, that sense of urgency and fear in someone. Um, and they feel the need to respond and, and handle whatever it is. Uh, and so, yeah, prepayments for things, um, paying in gift cards, that is a big one. If someone is asking you to pay in a gift card, mm-hmm. 100% hands down, that's a scam. <laughs> wow. So, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't run over to the, the closest store and, and run up a couple hundred dollars in, in different gift cards and, uh, and send them off to someone or give them the, the information on the card to be able to use it because that is, that is definitely going to be a scam. You know, it is a new day and age where a lot of people do a lot of things online. Can you talk mm-hmm. about how people get tricked online with these fraudulent websites? Right. So online uh, scams were our number one for 2020. Obviously, we were all at home uh, doing a lot more shopping from home and mm-hmm. and, and just kind of that's how we were living, you know. And uh, there are a lot of different things that can happen. So a fake website might be, you know, what you've what you found yourself on, but it it looks pretty legitimate. Um, Something that I always want to point out is that if you are on a website that is, um, that you're interacting with to provide any kind of personal information, even if you're just like signing up for a newsletter, anytime you're entering your information into a website, you want to see the lock symbol. It'll look just like a padlock up where the web address goes in the URL. Um, If you don't see that, get out of there. Yeah. Um, you know, also don't, we run social media a lot. And so there are all kinds of ads that are, you know, let's be honest, creepy because they're, they're popping up on what you were just talking about over coffee with your <laughs> significant other. Yeah. Um, but those pop up and, um, you know, you, you click that link from Facebook or, or whatever social media platform, uh, to go to that website. Don't ever do that because that's also in a way that they're, you know, tracking your information, looking for what you're interested in. Uh, If there's something that you're interested in or like what you see, go separately, look for it yourself and check that security. Uh, One of the other things that we saw a lot of was counterfeit goods. Um, Oh, yeah. So so that's promoting something Mm -hmm. um, or selling something as a, a better product than what you're really offering. Uh, and then what, what the person receives is is a knockoff or subpar. And, you know, where, where that really got important this year was with masks. You know, people were yeah. claiming to have at 95s and they were not. And uh, so there was a lot of that that went on. But, it, I mean, it's been going on for a long time with designer purses or, or you know, anything. Mm-hmm. T-shirts, um, sweaters, yeah. even yeah, chairs. The, the popular toy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, all of those are things that they always, here's, here's the thing, check the spelling. Um, you know, it, it's easy to uh, mimic, uh, especially for people that know what they're doing online with websites and design. They can make it look like, you know, the legitimate brand. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, think about something like Michael Kors, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were to go on the website. Well, they've switched the A and the E in Michael. Not something people would readily notice, mm-hmm. you know. So, think about spelling. Think about syntax. The way things are worded. If it sounds, you know, off or funny, you know, take a step back and do some research. Um, certainly, look at reviews from other customers. That leads to fishing. Now, and, you know, in Texas. You got to go out to the country and do some fishing. No, we're talking about <laughs> online fishing. P H I S H I N G. Can you Yeah. Can you explain how explain to people what phishing is if they're not familiar with it and what people can do to trick you out of your information by phishing? Right. Phishing is just kind of like they're throwing the line out just to see what they can what they can get. And so they're trying to uh, get any information from you that they possibly can. You might see uh, it come through as a text. It might be an email. It might be a phone call. Um, again, it's it's going to be asking you to do something or telling you 
there's something important that you need to respond to. Um, don't click, click any links or attachments. Um, even replying or answering your phone. So one of the things, like I said earlier, that our phone numbers are a hot commodity. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the only thing scammers are looking for is someone to answer or respond. Right. And then they know, oh, that's a live number. That's a real person. It's not a computer. It's not an automated line. Um, and then they can sell that to the other scammers that are trying to get a hold of you for your information. So people are buying our phone numbers like crazy out there. And when they fish, they wind up putting malware on your stuff and, and viruses, <laughs> right? True. Yes. Yeah. Tech support and tech scams are are on the rise and uh, you know, they'll, they'll tell you they can, they can spoof anything. Yeah. Your phone will look like Apple or Microsoft mm-hmm. or Google or Amazon or whoever are calling you um, because they need to, to help you fix whatever's going on with your account. Um, let me tell you, those people aren't going to call you. No, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and here's, yeah, here's what's also crazy. You get, you get fished or you get, uh, you know, the, the virus or whatever and all of your friends start getting emails and texts saying, hey, mm-hmm. Amy, this is Amy, and I got beat up in a hotel in London, and I need help. Send me some money. Yeah. <laughs> that, yes. that, that's usually the old one, right? Yes. It taps into your address book and then starts reaching out to everybody you know to help you and save you. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, somebody I knew in third grade <laughs> gets an email about how, you know, I'm in prison. I'm, they're probably not going to be the first person <laughs> that, that would be contacted, nor will they be the person to, to bail me out, you know? So those are things to, to definitely think about. If you receive messages like that about a friend, reach out to that friend, not by replying to that email, but by reaching out to that friend and saying, hey, you might want to check your security and your information. There's something shady going on. Usually, uh, information. Yeah. Usually when people have an issue, something like that online, they're trying to figure out how to reach somebody like Google or Apple or, you know, mm-hmm. whoever the big name social media giant is. How did the Better Business Bureau get involved to help out? So definitely report it to us at, on the bbb.org slash scam tracker. That's going to let us know that something's up. Um, we can work with uh, local local government, depending on the situation, or, you know, report things. We work very closely with the FTC, with attorney general's offices. Uh, we will help to take take that information and share it so that we can get it get it stopped. And can you talk about how since the pandemic happened a year ago? Wow, it's been a year mm-hmm. already. I know. <laughs> all the different scams have just gotten more and more complicated, I guess, because there are more and more desperate people out there. Absolutely. So, you know, we've already talked about online. That, that's the number one. That's been the mm-hmm. the, the highest risk scam for, for several years now. And um, one other piece of that that we didn't cover is that people order things and never receive them. Uh, so that's that's been a big deal as well. But the, the, the second most popular scam, and it also really goes in line with everything that we've gone on with, with COVID is employment scams. Oh yeah. And yeah. So that's people thinking they're getting a job. Of course now almost all jobs are work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, you know, it looks really enticing. Oh, I can work from home and earn this huge salary and, and uh, receive all these benefits. Um, but we really encourage people to um, go look for that job posting that they're reaching out to you about on the, co- the actual company's website. Even reach out to the HR department and say, I've seen this position available. Is it still open? And may I apply? That's going to help, you know, cross-check the information. Unfortunately, Amazon is one of the biggest, you know, victims of this. They've been um, mimicked more often than, than most companies, and, and that's really in, in making job offers to people. Um, yeah. So really pay attention to any any employment. If it looks too good to be true, again, like we always say, it probably is. Um, so those are the, are the, are the top concerns. Um, we also see a lot of fake checks or... Um, offering of payment that uh, is not legitimate and then the person ends up the check bounces and the person is out that money 
Are you serious? Um, that they, people are actually mailing checks, and you think this legit? What, yes. Well, what is the scam behind that? How? The, what do they get out of that? Yeah. So a lot of times, what where the fake checks are coming from are from the um, uh, employment scams, and so they're going to send you money to um, to purchase the supplies for the job, um, and then you. Uh, take that check to the bank and they're so like, they're good at what they do. The checks are really legit looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that the bank is like, yeah, that's, that's a real check. We're going to go ahead and, and uh, cash that. And then uh, they pay the, the scammer will say, okay, you know, you only needed this amount. So we need you to return the, the, the remaining funds to us. Um, oh, okay. and that's usually in the form of a gift card, you mm-hmm. know, something along those lines. Um, and, and then, you know, you're out the money that bounced and the money that you used to go and buy those gift cards. So they literally got, sent you a fake check. Uh, mm-hmm. you wound up with a bad check that bounced in your account and made a train wreck happen. And then they mm-hmm. get the money from the gift card that they say, oh, yeah, by the way, send us the rest of this money via a gift card. We'll be all good. Yes, exactly. That's how it works. Wow. <clears throat> you know what I also noticed? I noticed a lot of times on Facebook or Twitter or, you know, some of the other websites, social media websites, you'll be reading a, a, a reply or a post. Somebody has a post in the comment section, and there's just a comment from Bob saying, hey, I'm making all this money working from home, and there's a link. That could be the con, right? <laughs> Yes, totally. Anytime that's happening, don't click it. Don't don't engage. <laughs> Do not engage. Can you Do talk? Not engage. Can you talk about some of the the fallout that you've maybe a story here or there of someone who innocently thought they were going to gain employment or have yes. an opportunity over the last calendar year and it backfired because they got they got tricked. Yes, absolutely. We had a woman. Um, that became friends with a group of other women, uh, single moms in a, in a Facebook group, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they're kind of sharing their, their challenges and successes and just kind of leaning on each other. And um, she had said, you know, I really, with my kids being home because of the pandemic, I really need to get some work where I'm bringing some income in while I'm home with them. And uh, one of the other, quote, moms <laughs> sent her information on uh, a job that she could do working from home. Uh, And she applied for it and same situation. She was given a lot of money. She was actually, thankfully she, she reported that she didn't feel comfortable because what she was doing was the quote payroll for a company and um, printing checks. Oh, wow. Uh, at her home on the special paper that they had her buy um, and mailing out those checks. And she she ended up taking one of the checks to her bank just because she had that gut feeling something's not right um, and said, can you check this? You know, I'm working for this company that's asking me to, to mail these out. And this, this is kind of not sitting right with me. And the bank confirmed, you know, these are not real checks. This is not a real account. Um, thankfully, because she reported it, she didn't get in trouble for being a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all those all those weeks, you know, that she worked, you know, she didn't get paid for, obviously, because it wasn't a real company. Um, and she could have been in real legal trouble through that situation as well. So really kind of scary stuff out there that we, we want to protect consumers from as much as we possibly can. Exactly. It reminds me of how someone could naively think they're working for a telemarketing company. You ever hear any other mm-hmm. stories like that? Oh, yeah. Telemarketing is, is a big one because it is something that you can do uh, from anywhere. As long as you have the, the, the numbers and the equipment, you know, you can do that. Um, but you got to, you know, check out the company, make sure they're legitimate and see if they've, you know, had bad reviews or any government actions or issues. Those are all important things anytime you're seeking employment. We're talking with Amy Razor, fourth regional director of the Better Business Bureau. This is National Consumer Protection Week. Do you have a story of a particular case that you're so proud that you guys were able to catch the people scamming and able to stop them because they were actually taking advantage of some very good people? 
You know, we, we, we get these all the time and we do investigations and we really work hard to make sure that we're mm-hmm. uh, finding that the most correct and accurate information. I mean, the one that pulls at my heartstrings every time are puppy scams. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and I think I've mentioned that before, but oh gosh, mm-hmm. you know, somebody falls in love with this dog online and they're, they're ready to buy and they're waiting for it to become old enough, you know, to be adopted and, They've got pictures and they're showing their family and friends and they've given it a name and they've bought all the supplies and they're so excited to bring this new fur baby home. And it turns out that the dog isn't real, um, never existed. Those were photo, you know, stock photos that were just put up online. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been able to uh, help put a stop to a lot of that in our area. Oh, good. Um, just, you know, they... they have you pay a whole lot of money and then they have you ship the dog and you know it's just heartbreaking that these people you know are falling madly in love with this animal that they're looking forward to bringing home and then it doesn't happen and and they've lost a lot of money at the same time that is just like you said we were talking about that earlier because it seemed like (laughs) a lot of that always happens around the christmas holidays Mm -hmm. you know people are thinking about the perfect gift for their family and oh that's heartbreaking um Can you also talk about, you know, like I said, because of the pandemic, some of these scammers are impersonating government officials. Can you Uh talk some of those stories? Because that's crazy. Yes. Because people (laughs) want to believe anything right now. You know, it's hard. There's just so much information and there's so much fear and there's so much concern and, you know, wanting to do the right thing and wanting to protect yourself and your family. Um, So the most impersonated um, you know, entity is going to be the IRS, um, and that's, you know, posing as the IRS to say, you owe us money, and, and you're in big trouble, and we're coming after you. Yeah, we're going to freeze your account. <laughs> yes, the, the IRS is, is not going to call you. They're not going to text you. They're not going to, they're not even going to email you. They just mail you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can rest assured that if you're being contacted by the the IRS and it says IRS on your phone, you know, <laughs> identify, you know, when it's ringing, um, it's it's a spoofed call. <clears throat> Can you also talk about Social Security? Because I bring that up because a lot of people foolishly give out their Social Security number. You can't <laughs> do that. Never, 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 never do that. Um, again, Social Security is not going to call you. Um and uh, that that one number that we we all have is is one of the the biggest most valuable things out there, especially combined with our driver's license number. If you got the two of those, you know, consider it done. Um, so never give out that that information um, until you have trust you know verified the source and know why they need it and what it's for. You know what I I can't think of any quote quote unquote consumer business. I'm talking about a regular transaction. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm going to throw out some big names because they never ask for it, like Amazon. Nobody that's going to uh-huh. do a service for you or sell you, they don't need your Social Security number. Absolutely not. I mean, this this, this goes it's for pretty them. much only a bank if you're looking for a loan. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever and work? Then check it out. Do you ever work with consumers who feel like a bank has uh, done something wrong to them? Oh, yeah. I mean, any any industry is going to have, you know, situations and issues. It's it's how the industry hand, handles it and mm-hmm. works through the, the, the situation. So, you know, we're always going to contact the business and say, what's going on here and, and how can we help you to fix it and make it better? Um, you know, and that might be <laughs> whatever their fees are that they charge sure. or the way, you know, the way they report things or how they do that. I mean, We've seen it in the news. You know, here's a class action lawsuit here or there. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. The most important thing to do always is to be transparent um, and to respond to issues. We're talking with Amy Razor, Fort Worth Regional Director of the Better Business Bureau. You, we've talked about this earlier. I want to give people an idea of how many businesses are part of the Better Business Bureau and part of your responsibilities, mm-hmm. because this is excellent information. And I want to know, I want them to know about your credibility. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, we've been around since 1912, so a really long time. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's legit. 
<laughs> when, you, when you're around that long, you, you've learned a few things and you know some, some things. Um, but uh, in our area, we have just in my region, which is the Fort Worth side of the Metroplex, about 5,000 businesses. But across the network, I mean, it's hundreds of thousands. Um, and so when you are doing business with a business that is accredited with the BBB, you know that that business has been vetted. You know, we're not just a membership organization where you pay your dues. It's you have to apply. You have to be checked out. We have to make sure you are who you say you are, um, that you haven't been in any kind of trouble <laughs> before, um, and that you're going to operate your business with trust and integrity, um, and that those are going to be at the at the forefront of what you do and if you're going to be uh, a BBB accredited business. And so if you're, if you're looking for a business and you see that, that BBB seal on there, you're going to know that they've already been checked out and that they're one of the good guys. Amy, it's always a pleasure visiting with you. Amy Razor, Fort Worth Regional Director of the Better Business Bureau. Thank you. we got to do it again. Yeah, sounds good. I enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I'm Chris Arnold. We'll be back next week at the same time as we tell you more about people and organizations doing amazing work here in North Texas right here on Better Living. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 